Just a quick content warning for today's episode, there is mention of gore, murder, child abuse, and sexual assault. So if you're not okay with that, now's your time to click off. Other than that, let's start today's episode. Yay. Hi guys, I'm your host, Bren. And I'm Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are still continuing our Horror Hotspot series. This is actually our last one of the month. If this is your first time listening to us, you're just unfamiliar with it, Horror Hotspot is a featured series we do on our newspaper website, uh, the Timber Creek Talon where we do um, 13 stories. I believe it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday of October, and it's like true crime, urban legends, creepy stuff. Um, And so since today's the last one, we're actually going to do two. I'm going to do one, and Maggie's going to do one. I'll start us off today with uh, Cropsey, the Killer of Staten Island, which is written by one of our reporters, Matt Clements. So if you're listening, Matt, (laughs) congrats on the great work. So the urban legend of Cropsey, In Staten Island, New York, the urban legend of Cropsey has always kept children close to home and inside at night. A common myth, Cropsey was said to be an escaped mental patient with homicidal tendencies and a hook for a hand. Rumor was that if you stayed too far from home or wandered off on your own, Cropsey would get you from the shadows and drag you into the mangled ruins of the abandoned Seaview Hospital where you would never be seen again. Parents always told their children about Cropsey in hopes that they would be frightened enough to stay close to home. But in reality, Cropsey was just a harmless story. But in the 1970s and 80s, Cropsey turned out to be a terrifying reality. A real homicidal madman was terrorizing the children of Staten Island, eventually found out to be a local drifter named Andre Rand. Rand, um, born Frank Russian, was not a very peculiar child. He lived a pretty normal life growing up in Staten Island. Contrary to popular belief, though, he apparently had no instances of childhood trauma, according to his sister. His father had died when he was only 14 years old, and his mother had been admitted to a psychiatric ward where he and his sister would commonly visit her. As an adult, Rand started seeming more peculiar and strange, becoming a drifter of some sorts. He began to commit strange crimes, and at one point, getting an unlawful imprisonment charge in a situation. He had picked up a bus of 11 children from a local YMCA, where he then purchased a meal for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this already. I don't like that either. And then after that, he drove them to the Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey, where he was apprehended by law enforcement. None of the children were harmed, although he was sent to jail. That's good. Okay. Um, this occurred after his sexual assault against the child charge in 1969 and his suspected involvement in five-year-old Alice Pereira's disappearance in 1972. He was already becoming a notorious suspect um, in the... New York City borough, but more information would soon come to light. Um, These are some of his involved crimes. In 1981, he had abducted Holly Ann Hughes on the way to the store, and she was never seen again. Several eyewitnesses reported seeing them together, and he was um, a big prime suspect in the investigation for her. In 1983, Tia Heath Jackson's parents reported her as missing after not returning home after um, running an errand. Things started escalating further when he was accused of the disappearance of a 22-year-old Hank Gafforio in 1984. Gafforio, a local resident, was seen as a slow and easy manipulated. He was last seen in a diner with Rand. Rand's string of criminal activity came to an end with the kidnapping and murder of 12-year-old Jennifer Schweiger. Schweiger, a local child diagnosed with Down syndrome, had been reported as missing on July 9, 1987. Eyewitnesses spotted Schweiger walking with Rand just before her disappearance. After a police investigation, her body was 
uh, recovered buried underneath after a 35-day search for her. While searching for clues near the crime scene, police discovered a makeshift campsite occupied by Rand where he was detained. In 1988, he was charged with the first-degree kidnapping of Jennifer Schweiger, although prosecutors couldn't secure a murder charge. He was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. In 2004, he was brought to trial once again and charged with the kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes, and he was then sentenced to another 25 years in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2037 at the age of 93 years old. Oh, that's so far away. (laughs) Yeah. But also so close. And then um, lastly, during interviews, he calmly compared himself to Ted Bundy. Uh, Red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Many um, know Rand as the boogeyman of Staten Island or just Cropsey. And to this day, he leaves a legacy of terror on the entire community and has become somewhat of an urban legend in the history of Staten Island. That's weird. (laughs) That, like, creeps me out because every time you hear these urban legends, like, you know, Slenderman and the Boogeyman. Like, obviously, they're not real people. Yeah. But, like, this one ended up being a real man. Yeah. Um, but I remember um, learning about urban legends. I remember reading this uh, one article. It was urban legends in every single state. And this was the big one for New York. Mm-hmm. And people are still creeped about it to this day. <laughs> so, like, he he was inspired by the urban legend of Cropsy, and that's why he became a killer i guess or um it didn't really say it was just there was just this urban legend of this guy named cropsy okay. who would take your children and okay um or right here it says um cropsy would get you from the shadows and drag you into the mangled ruins of the abandoned seaview hospital where you would never be seen again okay. um and then obviously parents just told their kids about it to yeah, freak them yeah. out but um no parents use urban legends as a way to like scare their children into doing something like um like uh krampus krampus um yeah. i was in german <laughs> no um he was created to, like i mean i'm sure there was more but like parents used him as an excuse of like okay you have to be like good on christmas or else krampus will come and like do horrible things yeah <laughs> and hit you with a stick <laughs> yeah one thing that did jump out at me though um was just like all the, the kidnappings and stuff of these children and how so many people had, like, gone missing. Yeah. Like, the the first girl, Holly, who she was never seen again. Right. And then um, Tahis Jackson. And then um, the 22-year-old, um, and it said he was seen as slow and easily manipulated. So that makes me kind of upset how he's just taking advantage of all these people, like a 22-year-old. Yeah, yeah. who probably was just mentally disabled mm-hmm. like that's and, sad and like the one uh one of the murders they stated he had killed the down syndrome girl which that really yeah. upset me obviously every murder is upsetting right and horrifying but just right and also i just like it's like you said like it's sad that like people find these like people are easy targets just because they're like children or mm-hmm. like she was 12 years old right and so it's just like it's disappointing that like the most vulnerable people in society we can't protect them mm-hmm. from people like that mm-hmm. and all of these people it's always like their parents are searching for them like um, hers is a 35 day search and um i'm glad they were able to find him but it's still sad that stuff like this happens to this day yeah even though this was in the 80s it's still pretty recent when you think about it 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, less than 100 years ago, so. Yeah. Um, also, thinking about how he will be eligible for parole. Like, I know he's 93, and he probably he either won't live up until then, yeah. or he won't be able to move around as much due to his age. Right. But, like, come on. 93-year-olds can still be creepy. Yeah. Just, Especially like, men. 93-year-old men can still be creepy. Yeah. Or, like, I know, um, I can't think of one at the top of my head, but there's cases out there where they've had, like, multiple life sentences, or if it, it adds up and they're, like, 100 years in prison, like, obviously they won't be able to get out. Right. But, right. Yeah, and, like, and even it says, like, during the interview, he compared himself to Ted Bundy. Like, you've already been caught and stuff. Like, it's not really, like, something you should be, like, showcase. you know? Right. And especially, like, I, I don't know, like, Ted Bundy, I feel like, people like to compare themselves to him because he's like he was like widely like he's been widely adored recent in recent years but also like um he was known as like charming right and like he got away with his crimes because of how like good looking he was and how charming like he was yeah that's why um a lot of people like no 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 he can't be the murderer he's too good looking it's like when they made that zach efron movie a lot of people started thinking he was cute but were like no He's a murderer. Yeah. That's, no, like, he had killed multiple girls and mm-hmm. done like he's horrifying not just some, actions. Yeah, he's not bodies. just some fictional character. He's, like, a real-life person that hurt real-life people. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of like um, the Kobe cannibal we were talking about, how a lot of people compared him to Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or a lot of these uh, murderers, again, just like how we talked about with Ted Bundy, um, they like will idolize someone yeah or like Like they look up to someone Mm -hmm. that like inspires how they kill people or why or whatever and same thing with like family trauma even though this um man didn't have family trauma i know there's like a lot like i think um richard ramirez like he suffered a lot of childhood trauma yeah and this just shows that like that their child like their childhood trauma doesn't excuse them doing these actions and stuff because like people always say that as like an excuse well like oh, they had a bad childhood. Okay, what about those who didn't? They Mm -hmm. still, like, did horrendously evil things. Exactly. Right. So let's go on over to uh, Maggie's story. They're doing the, what is it, Aileen? Aileen Warnos. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, So I'm doing Aileen Warnos. This story is written by Brianna Ferreira. (laughs) Um, I'll just jump right into it. Um, Eileen Warnos didn't have the best childhood. In fact, it was quite rocky, like we were talking about. Some some of them have bad childhood. Um, her father was a child murderer with severe psychotic sociopathic tendencies, and when Eileen was four, he died in prison. After her father's death, Eileen and her brother moved in and started living with her grandparents. The transition into her teenage years was a difficult one. At age 13, she was raped by a family friend, and became pregnant, and the child was immediately given up for adoption. In addition to that, she had trouble in school and eventually ended up dropping out of high school altogether and began working as a sex worker. As time went on, she started to get in trouble with the law and was arrested multiple times on account of armed robbery, check forgery, and auto theft. In her adult life, she moved to Daytona Beach, Florida. Unfortunately, that same year, her grandfather committed suicide her brother keith died of cancer desperate for a way to cope she marries a wealthy retiree however their marriage didn't doesn't last long and is annulled after nine short weeks 
After her release from robbing a convenience store, she's charged with a slew of other crimes until 1986. She meets Tyria Moore, a lesbian in Daytona Beach, and the attraction is immediate and mutual. The new couple quickly moves in together and Warnos makes most of their money through her work. The nature of Warnos's crimes were cold and unfeeling. She seemed to have no remorse and was seemingly indifferent about her crimes with quotes like, I robbed them and killed them, as, killed them as cold as ice. A list of a few of her victims are as followed. On June 1st, 1990, officers discovered the nude body of 43-year-old construction worker David Spears. He had been shot six times with his truck close by. On June 6, 1990, the body of Charles Karskadden, a 40-year-old truck driver and part-time rodeo bull rider, was discovered in the woods. He had been shot nine times with a, his car at a different location. Eileen Warnos had a total of seven victims, all male, and her killing spree went across a span of 12 months, November 30th, 1989 to November 10th, 1990. When she was arrested for her first murder, she seemed to have feelings of remorse, saying, I just wish I never would have done what I did. I still have to say to myself, I still have to say that it was in self-defense. She even gave directions for a dive team to find her weapon. She is then charged in connection to the murder of Richard Mallory. However, during the trial, she pleads not guilty, claiming she acted in self-defense because Mallory had raped her. Even though this first trial was only for the killing of Mallory, the judge allowed for evidence of the other six murders. On January 27th, she was found guilty and charged with first-degree murder. And despite being so compliant before, when the verdict was announced, Evidently, in distress, she shouts, I was raped. I hope you get raped, scumbags of America. Lastly, Eileen Warnos was sentenced to death on January 31st, 1992. I've heard about this case before. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know about that she had gotten pregnant um, at that young of an age. Yeah, I remember hearing about this story like a while back ago um, because my parents and I, like, we watch a lot of like true crime like movies inspired by like actual like killers and i think there was a movie yeah it's called monster yeah 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 exactly charlie's Theron. i haven't watched it but i saw like um like the makeup for it and she looks just like her it's, she it's does creepy. she really does like when i looked up when i saw the movie and then i looked up actual pictures of eileen warnos i was like so did eileen warnos play herself in the movie like that's exactly her and does the movie just cover like her crimes, or is it, it just like a biography? It no, it covers the um like the spree, the killing spree. Mm. So like I think it starts off just before the her killing spree starts, and then like it ends with uh, I think like her getting caught. So I see. Mm -hmm. And I feel like yeah i mean i do feel bad for her because of like her story and everything but like there, are like like we've said before there are plenty of people who have gone through like that kind of trauma and have not resulted into killing other people yeah right and it doesn't excuse for it like um she could have there's a lot of places that can help mental help right mental health and um psychiatric awards and whatnot like i've um like read about like authors, painters, like Van Gogh, like he even checked himself into yeah. a psychiatric ward because he was worried for his own health. Yeah. So, um, again, like I know these people, they've had really bad, um, 
But again, I know these people have had really bad um, childhoods, and I know that can obviously affect how you grow into as a person and uh, adult. But mm-hmm. murder is never the answer. Never, never. That's what you learn from listening to our podcast. Murder is never the answer. <laughs> yeah. But aliens is. Yeah, <laughs> always. It's actually always the answer. Have you uh, seen the new series? Speaking of aliens, have you seen the new uh, season of American Horror Story? I have not started it. Is it good? Yeah, I think it's pretty. Oh wow, that was loud. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's like so the first half of the season is like a different like story and then mm-hmm. the second half is a- another story and i don't like how they did that cuz really you don't get a lot of um plot development and stuff mm-hmm. through each story but i do like both like red tide and death valley i think they're both good so far or i mean red tide was good and death valley has been good so far um but death valley's where like there's like aliens i like the different approach they took to death valley because um it's like halfway set in like the 60s and 70s and then half set in like the future is ish um but yeah i do recommend it to everyone who's who's an alien fan aliens fan out there yeah and i didn't know um obviously it's very very loosely based i think like some like american horror story like like the whole plot but some stuff is like based off a true story like um like the third season coven it's obviously about witches and stuff uh like Mad- it's madame new- lollery yeah it's set in new orleans and yeah. madame lollery she was a real person yeah um who was not a good person no and had uh treated her uh, right had slaves and treated them very right very bad and like obviously slaves were not treated well at all but like she did she did tortures yeah like horrendous commit horrendous crimes against her slaves (laughs) yeah and you can actually um well i don't think you can go inside but her house i think it's or i don't know i think it's like maybe a historical marker or a museum or something i just know it's haunted or they've it's presumed haunted yeah and some people don't even walk on the same side of the street yeah as it because um, New Orleans is very suspicious. Like, not suspicious. Mm-hmm. Stereo, no. Super, superstitious? Super, <laughs> superstitious. That's that's the word uh, I was looking for. Um, so, like... It's like, she's based off a real person in her house. Like, obviously, they didn't film the show in her house. Right. I don't think so. Um, but, yeah. And same also, thing with Murder House. Sorry. I was going to say, well, Angela Bassett's character on that season is also based off of a real person. But I can't I remember her name. I can't remember her name. That's so cool. If y'all don't know, she played like a she played the voodoo queen. Yeah, she, yeah, the voodoo queen. And her and Madame Lollerie did not um, <laughs> agree on a lot of stuff. Uh, but on the first season, um, I remember the Black Dahlia. That mm-hmm. was like because the first season, if you're unfamiliar, it's murder house. Obviously, murder house. <laughs> it was a haunted house with the people who have died there still living there. As um, ghosts. Yeah, as ghosts. Um, but one of them is the Black Dahlia. It was like a, I think it was like a doctor who lived there. Yeah. But and he performed abortions mm-hmm. in like the nineteen twenties. I would say twenties, but it could be any time in the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, but I remember because like the Black Dahlia, we talked about it before. It's a yeah. very infamous case. Yes. But I didn't know that much about it because like I had heard about it so much. I was like, oh yeah. Right. But um, 
don't know, I kind of like that they add some stuff in there. Yeah, they kind of do that in the, so in, in uh, season 10 of American Horror Story in Death Valley, which is the second part of the season, like, um, they sort of, like, feed off of, like, the conspiracy theories of, like, people's death and stuff, like, um, like, Marilyn Monroe's death, mm-hmm. uh, they 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 solve it as aliens in the show, and oh. uh, JFK's death. No, JFK's death was not a conspiracy in the show. I don't think, but um, like, uh, M- Mammy Eisenhower's death, oh, which is yes. Dwight Eisenhower's wife's. Yeah, so like all of like, it it basically feeds off of conspiracy theories. Another one is like lizard people, which I'm not a big person behind that because. It sort of started as an anti-Semitic, like trope. So hmm. I don't like to feed into that. Yeah. Um, what's another one. Oh, that reminds me. Um, the people who actually made American Horror Story, they started this series called American Crime Story. Uh huh. I know the first one was over the O.J. Simpson case. It was yeah. just like the whole case itself. Um, obviously, and then the second one, I think it was the murder of Versace. Yes. And then the third one, I'm currently watching it right now. Oh, it's out? Yeah. It's like... On Hulu? Uh, no, I watched it. We, like, recorded it. Oh, like, yeah. And that one's, um, I guess it's true crime, but I wouldn't talk about it. It's, uh, the Bill Clinton impeachment, which... Yeah. They've been doing a phenomenal job so far. Um, but it's really cool seeing, like, well, I guess it's not cool. Because this is a bad event, but acting, right? Because I remember the OJ one was the first one, and that drew a lot of people in because it had a lot of notable actors like Sarah Paulson, Cuba Gooding Jr., John Travolta. Uh There's probably someone else's name, but there's a lot of uh, people in that show. And then obviously, um, OJ Simpson, yeah, very popular, famous case. Um, Like, and I think that's where a lot of people actually, like in our generation, I think that um, season was, like, where a lot of people actually learned about what the O.J. Simpson case was like. Yeah. Because I didn't, I don't, like, go and research it, like, on my own on, like, Wikipedia or anything. I just watched it that yeah. season. <laughs> my parents knew about it because, obviously, they were alive during it. And they're like, yeah, right. like, I remember watching, like, the Carsby Chase on the TV yeah. and stuff like that. And um, same thing with, like, the whole, like, Ted Bundy that – yeah. Um, era and jeffrey dahmer like i remember my grandparents were telling me like seeing him like on the news or like it was talked about on the news because right obviously very infamous cases very infamous people Uh um same thing with the gypsy rose blanchard yeah i mean like because they made a show about that right and um obviously she's still alive right not her mom but (laughs) yeah Um, because i think she's still in prison is she in prison for life she i think she's in prison for life or like for like a very long time. A life sentence. Isn't a life sentence just kind of like 15 to 25 years or something? Yeah, guys, we're probably going to get it wrong. Because <laughs> I know um, you can be eligible for parole, like uh, the Cropsey guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what life, that's what life, in, that's what a life sentence. when he's 93. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what a life sentence means is that you're eligible for parole after probably. 15 years? Google, I think that's what that Google's free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, all of our listeners. Um, but... Like, I, like, sometimes, like, I'll, t- I'll be talking to my parents, and they're, like, yeah, like, we could legit, like, just go outside and just hang out with, like, our siblings and stuff, and, like, our parents would not, like, actually, like, not care, but, like, they wouldn't have to worry about where we were at, because it was before all of, like, the actual news about 
um like who like stranger danger and everything Mm -hmm. so like i don't know it's just so weird to me because obviously we are not like just as children not just let outside as we please and stuff (laughs) yeah well i think that wraps up for today's episode thank you guys for listening i'm sad this horror hot spot series has come to an end so sad but we'll be back next week with uh you know just true crime Mm -hmm. but um thank you for listening bye